Welcome to the Boost Your Boutique Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Benson, corporate merchant, turned boutique owner, turned consultant. I want you to start, grow, and scale your boutique business right here with me. If you're ready to master your mindset, margins, and marketing, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, hello. It's Emily, and welcome back to the Boost Your Boutique Podcast. If we haven't met yet, just a little reminder who I am. Uh, First of all, I'm the host of this incredible podcast. We have over 185 episodes. Give me a break. That's so many. Uh, But, you know, my parents always said I was good at talking, so I guess I'm in the right career. I'm just kidding. But we have 185 episodes. I am a boutique consultant, meaning I consult boutique businesses. That's why you're here. If you're just starting out, that's great. If you've been in this business a long time, awesome. I want to talk to all of you. This episode, I wanted to talk about why product assortment is so important and has become even more important than ever. I'm going to be a little bit controversial here. I actually think this year, specifically product assortment is what is going to put people out of business or it's going to make millionaires. Like I actually feel very strongly about product assortment more than ever. I am a product person. I come from a fashion background, sewing, design, merchandising. Like that is my thing. I love product all day in and out. And what I find over and over is that the people that come to me that really need help is because their assortment isn't great. And when your assortment isn't great, it doesn't matter how the algorithm works, how many times a day you post, where your location is. If you don't have an assortment that is desirable to some kind of ideal customer, then you're done. Like you're done before you even started. I remember somewhere along the way, I heard the term, you know, you make money on the buy, Meaning that like when you go to market or when you click buy a fashion go, that's when you make money or not. And I think in a certain sense, that was actually about margin and it was about price and profit and think it was more driven like that. But I actually agree from an aesthetic perspective as well and from an assortment mix perspective. So I used to teach this webinar way like in, I don't know, 2013, 2014, and it was called like mobile retail 102, like how to have a profitable mobile retail business, like something like that. And it was just for mobile retailers. But everything I taught was for anyone. And it's interesting because that presentation became my first book, The Ultimate Boutique Handbook. So in that specific webinar. And I think it's probably in my book too. Let me just look here. Give me a sec. Yep. Here it is. Here it is. Chapter three, page one of chapter three under products. Uh, If you have the paperback version of the ultimate boutique handbook, it's on page 19 And it's this beautiful little, I love my chapter headers. They're so cute. They're little like storefront awnings. So assortment planning. When planning the assortment of products you are going to sell, you should have one goal in mind. And this is the line that I used in the the webinar that I taught. And I still stand behind it. I mean, it's in my printed book. This is your goal. To create an interesting variety within the store in order to entice a sense of curiosity that will compel your customers to buy. That's a lot. Let's break it down just for a minute here. So we want to create an interesting variety within the store. So meaning you want a good mix. You want a mix of 
uh, prices. You want a mix of basic versus fashion. You want a mix of um, even like end use. So like, is this something I'm going to wear at home and it's casual or is this something I can wear to work or to a shower? What, where am I wearing it? That's always what I mean by like end use. What is the end use of this product? That variety across the board. And again, let me remind you, I didn't say variety needed to be like multiple departments or, or multiple genders or multiple age ranges, like baby and adults. Like I didn't say that because I think that's not the way I would want to teach, right? I want to teach that you should first look at what your price range is, what your basic versus fashion is, and then what your end use is for your product. Um, and we're talking mostly about women's like either home decor, uh, clothing, uh, gifts, supplies, like things like that. Anything. I mean, remember women are like 80% of all consumer purchases, but specifically this is for things that like make women's lives better in a more aesthetic function, right? So home decor, um, clothing, accessories, things like that. So, okay. All right, in the store, in order to entice a sense of curiosity, notice that I didn't say like in order to make them feel beautiful or make them that, no, like we're not going there yet. A lot of you guys are like how, in your mission statements and all this stuff, you have these like really big goals. And do I think that like, yes, we're helping women and men and kids and whatever feel better about themselves? Yeah, I definitely do. I also feel like that's sort of like next level. That's like after you've sold to them, that's the outcome, right? And to be focused on that outcome is great, but also how do we get them there? How do we get them to feeling good? Well, we have to make them curious about what we sell. We have to make them curious about who we are and what we're doing. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people are skipping over. They're not thinking about what is going to make someone stay in my store for longer, stay on my site for longer? The answer is always product. It's always product. It is not an algorithm. It is not like, oh, do they like, like it is always product. If you have great product, it will sell. And this is where I think like we're not going back to being curious from a consumer perspective on our website, in our store, like walk into your store as if you're a customer and be mean to yourself, like in a, in a way, like be harsh, be like, do I have basics? Do I need basics? What would I pair basics with? What's my fashion look like? Is it all over the place? Is it, you know, is my fashion feeling really good and wearable or is it feeling too, um, you know, complicated? Like it's a bright color and it's a pattern and the shoulders are cut out and it's a crop top. Like, is it too much? We're forgetting that we want customers to come in and be enthralled, to be like, this is a space where I can just get into the assortment, enjoy shopping. Like, and again, that can happen on your website. There are plenty of websites that I enjoy shopping on. And then there are some I don't. But to be curious and have your customers be like enlightened by curiosity coming into your store, that's the goal. The end of the statement says, you know, the sense of curiosity that will compel your customer to buy. So compelling your customer to buy is the last piece of that. Obviously, that doesn't say making the sale. It doesn't say making the sale. It says compelling them to buy because they have to have that urge to buy. 
they have to be able to like put their credit card down, put their debit card down, whip out the cash, right? They only do that because they fall in love with your product. They're like, I have to have this. And so many of you guys are thinking that, oh, it's an, I'm going to say this a thousand times, but I just, I'm sick of seeing it. And honestly, like I'm sick of hearing it. And I, I'm just, I, you know, hot take controversial, whatever perspective here. I don't think it's the algorithm. I really don't. I think it's because your product assortment sucks. And I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to say that. Mostly because honestly, I will step into a business and I will give them assortment ideas and they end up like doubling their money. They end up only selling all those new things. Like this literally just happened to me with clients. They started in December. We looked at their product assortment. I looked at their numbers too and like saw what was going on in the financials and the buying plan part of their business. And what I realized is like everything was so basic in their store. And some of it wasn't as basic, but they really weren't pushing that fashion element. And for them, fashion meant something specific because of where their stores were located and what they were comfortable with. But I was like, you need to add some print, some pattern, some color, some variety, like mix up fabrics. Like we can't just be selling everything jersey knit. Like we can't just sell denim all day. Like what about people that don't want to wear denim? those people exist. And a hi, that's me. I hate denim. Like, so I think at the end of the day, for me, product assortment is what will make or break you. And that's really it. The power of product assortment and the power that it has for a boutique is so great. I have never seen a boutique do poorly because their product assortment looked good, was priced well, all that jazz. What I will say is you might be in the wrong location for that assortment and that price point, things like that. So I see this happen a little bit less online, a little bit more in a brick and mortar situation or even in a mobile where you like pop up in the wrong spot and those people just aren't your customers. So I think that if you have a great product assortment and it's well-priced and it's a good mix and all that stuff, you might also just be in the wrong location if it's not selling. I've seen that happen a couple times where it's like, I just don't have, I'm not in the right community. That was me, frankly. I had a great assortment. I killed it in the truck. And frankly, like I did fine in my store, but my store was a crappy location. It just, it had bad parking. It, you know, had a lot of traffic by it. It wasn't like hidden or anything, but it just wasn't a great location. So I think there is that kind of factor that you have to think about because I have had clients. I recently talked to two clients and they both love their assortment. They have a great assortment, but they're in the wrong location for that assortment. And so that was a huge factor. One's moving. One's going to take some time off. Um, And it's just interesting to see like, you know, at a certain, at a certain point you could have an amazing product assortment and be in the wrong location for a brick and mortar. That's when, honestly, it's hard because you've got to decide, do you want to move or do you want to be totally online? Both things could happen. And I think sometimes it's a little, you know, it's easier and it's harder brick and mortar versus online. Like both are hard and both are easy in their own ways. But again, both are driven by that assortment. Our assortment is what makes you money. And the assortment is also what sets you apart, right? When we're thinking about what other people are carrying and we're seeing our competition and we're seeing the people down the street. The bottom line is, is like if we're selling really similar stuff, even if it's, you know, not the same vendor or not, but it's the same vibe, right? You get where I'm going. We're like, it's a lot of basics. It's a lot of denim. It's maybe you're, maybe everyone's selling Judy blues in your neighborhood or with your customer. At that point, you're going to have to compete on price. 
And what I want you to do is try to avoid competing on price. And the way that we do that is by having a different assortment, by having a different mix. And again, I I know this isn't easy. Running a boutique is not easy. Finding great assortment and finding great like products to fit in that assortment isn't always the easiest. And so I do understand that there are challenges, but I would rather you have less inventory than buy stuff just to buy stuff and buy, you know, styles because like, oh, it looks like it's selling for that other company. Because again, then you're sacrificing your style. You're sacrificing that curiosity that you're trying so hard to create. You're sacrificing it to the like, well, what's available, you know, situation. And then you're going to have to compete on price. And that's when it's not so fun, right? So I think if you can start to think about how do you set yourself apart, here's what I'll add. You could have the exact same thing as someone down the street, But the way you style it, the way you photograph it, the way that you teach people how to wear it, the the energy and effort you put into marketing that piece, that could also set you apart. Because I know plenty of people and I've seen, you know, plenty of people show the exact same style in the exact same way. And that's, again, when you compete on price. But when you're styling it differently or you're showing it in a more luxe way and it's only a $30 top or whatever... That's when you're, again, you're, you're going to stand out because you've put the time and energy into the styling and into the, the thought of how you're going to present this and market it to your customer. I want to throw this idea out at you too, because this is, I've been thinking about this a lot, um, just in my own business is like, what does my product suite look like? I've been like revamping some things. I've been thinking about, you know, adding new things or bringing back things from that I had kind of closed off for eight or 10 months. And I'm making some changes. The the thing is, is I think it's really important to think about how you want to change and shift your boutique over time. Right now is, is an interesting time. I have a mentor that she's really big. And, and actually, like I keep hearing this on some podcasts and stuff too, but I think they're all kind of in the same circle of like influence. So I'm trying to like take it with a grain of salt. But what a lot of people keep talking about is like, you know, it takes the same amount of effort to sell something that, you know, a $12 cami or an $18 cami, God, I hope no one's selling, let's say a $12 necklace as it does to sell a $98 dress. It takes the same amount of effort, right? Like think about that for a minute. It's, you're still going to have to buy it, receive it, ticket it, steam it, hang it, shoot it, market it, create the product description, you know, put it on your POS system, all that stuff, maybe show it live. All of those things are going to happen regardless if of the price. If it's a $98 thing or if it's a $10 thing, if it's a $200 thing or if it's a $50 thing, it requires the same effort. So it's interesting because I'll see people who have much higher price points for things get to 30K months really fast. So like I'll have clients that'll come to me and they're selling, you know, their, their price point is more like 50 to $200. They can ramp up their sales way quicker than someone who their entire assortment is between like 10 and $50. The 10 and $50 people struggle at first because you don't have the audience to support the volume you need to do to hit these bigger numbers. So it's interesting because I am in this boat lately and I've kind of said this for a while. I went to market a few years ago. I remember distinctly I was in Atlanta. I was on like maybe the fifth floor. It's like it was like one floor up from the main like contemporary where all the like big hitters were. 
it's like way quieter up there. I don't know what it was. I don't know how I landed there. It's one of those things where you're like, how? Oh, we went up here to look at vendors and like now I don't know where I am. But we're up there and we're in a vendor booth and I see these sweaters and I'm just like, these are beautiful. Like they're just well made. The so soft. Like it's just and it wasn't anything fancy. I think it was like a cowl neck cream colored sweater. You know what I mean? Like it was it wasn't anything super fashion, but it was just one of those things where I'm like, oh, this looks so luxe, even though it's a basic, like it's so beautiful. Like this, like you could sell this for like 98 bucks, maybe even like $148, like for sure. And I look at the wholesale price and it was like $15.50. And again, this is like 2018, 2019. So take me with a grain of salt, but still. Today, that might be a $20 um, sweater or a $25 sweater. Again, it's going to take the same effort if you mark that up three times. So it's a $60 to $70, $80 sweater. Or if you're like, you know what? I'm just going to put this at $128, $158 because it the value of it is that my brand that's who I am. I'm like a more luxe leaning brand. I have higher price items. I have things that feel more like these are staples that I'm going to have in my closet for a couple years, all of that. And, and my brand and my business and how I'm running my business, my website, it all supports that. Great. Let's go. And I said, I was like, I just, you know, I, this is when Goop, like Gwyneth Paltrow's website was like first starting and her e-commerce site was starting and they were doing some private label stuff. And I was just keeping my eye on, cause I'm always interested because I worked in some businesses where we had sort of like things we bought from suppliers or brands or whatever. And then we had private label inside, like inside the company. So we would be, that was like what I did. I did product development and design and merchandising for private label. So it was things we made ourselves, you know, our tag was on it and then we sold it in our stores. And so I'm always interested when that mix comes about in a business because I've worked in businesses, many businesses actually that were like that. I always want to see, okay, what have they decided to make on their own and what are their price points? And generally what you see, and I saw this happen with Goop, they were making products that I knew they were getting for like a killer wholesale. And because they were cutting out the middleman, right? Like instead of buying from a vendor, they might buy a dress or a, a jacket, something more complicated with a more complicated fabric. They were starting out their own private label assortment with like sort of these luxe basics and these more like Gwyneth Staples kind of situation. Right. And I knew that was what was going to start supporting their business because they were for sure getting like three, four or five times margin, maybe six, seven, eight times margin on those products. And they were for sure balancing out, you know, the orders they had to place on the things they bought from brands. And so I always think it's interesting because in boutique world, we get so stuck in like, this is what a boutique is. If we sell, this is what we sell. This is who we sell to. And there's all these little niches and pockets that I'm just shocked more people aren't taking advantage of. One being like the over 50 crowd, the over 60 crowd, like those people are rich. Okay. Let me tell you that <laughs> those people are rich the like they keep talking about how the greatest like wealth is going to move from like basically boomer generation like down to Gen X and millennials and Gen Zs right in the next like 20 years like the largest transfer of wealth is happening well that's because boomers are rich like a lot of them have a lot of money because of the economy and because 
of the situation of like our country for the past 40 years. So like if, if I was a smart new boutique owner, I would be like, you know what? I'm going to go after, I'm going to start a boutique and it's going to be for 50 plus and 55 plus. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to interview like 50 of those people, women and say, what's important to you? I'm going to notice what they wear. I'm going to see what they have in their closet. I'm going to know what other stores they shop at. And then I'm going to go out and I'm going to design my store around you know, the competitive research I've done from the stores they shop at, what they tell me they pay and what they tell me is going on and what they find important. They want sleeves. They want, you know, they want high rise denim that sucks in their stomach, like all that stuff. I mean, don't we all want our stomach sucked in like a little bit? I think that's like just everyone, especially after you have a kid. I'm just like, I don't even know if I can suck in my stomach anymore. (laughs) Does that even happen? Also, I haven't been to the gym in like two years. So, I mean, like there's other things going on. My point is there are so many of these little pockets and niches that have money, that have attention. Again, like I was talking to a client the other day and she has sort of this like mixed clientele in their 20s because like she started the business in her early 20s and now she's in her, maybe she turned 30. I'm I'm blanking. I know we talked about it. So I apologize if you're listening, but, um, but she's like, not in her early twenties, you know, she's not like super into wearing crop tops and things like that. She's like a little more like, I want to wear a cute full size, you know, full length top or right. The style is a little different. And so we were talking through kind of like how hard it is when you, you change your demographic doesn't change. Right. And you're in this crossroads. And so I think like, this is the thing I've been talking about this and thinking about this a lot lately is with boutiques, we are in a unique position where we're growing up kind of with our customer, right? Or we're in a unique position because we're seeing our customers grow up in front of us. And so they're going through all these bodily changes. They're going through all these developmental changes, what they feel comfortable in, what they want to be wearing, how they want to be presenting themselves. And it's really interesting because that's, for me, that's a bigger argument to like dig into your ideal customer, which then helps you dig into your product assortment. And that's what we're we're taught. We're here talking about product assortment and why it's so important. And I'm getting into all these little niche details, but it, it all does work together. And I think a lot of you guys are out there struggling and thinking, oh, I need to post more. I need to use comments sold. I should do live streams. I should, you know, I don't know. I've heard it all lately. Oh, like I got to sell my firstborn to make a sale. Like, no, you have to have better product. You have to have product that someone sees and is like, I need that. I need that. And what I'm going to tell you is I'm going to do a blog post to go along with this episode of the podcast because I want to show you some brands and some things I've been screenshotting where I'm just like, yes, yes, I want to click on that. Yes, that is such like, I want to show you some visual examples because I know a lot of you guys and I am super visual. Okay. I can literally remember something like my husband would be like, where's this thing? And it will like pop up in my mind visually, like as a picture. That's how I think about things. And I want to show you guys some examples of what's been standing out to me online. Some of these are brands that I have worked with or do work with. And some of these are just random things that pop up. But all of them seem to, in one photo, in one photo, they communicate to me, we have interesting, we have an interesting assortment. We have cool stuff. We have stuff that is colorful or we have stuff that is really neutral or we have stuff that has a very severe point of view. 
and I say severe, it's not to sound bad. It's not to sound, it has a severe perspective of, of a singular point of view. Okay. Like think about Taylor Swift. The reason people love Taylor Swift and all the conspiracies theories is she has one very particular point of view and how she writes. She doesn't necessarily write songs about, I mean, she writes about heartbreak. She writes about relationships. She writes and sings from a particular point of view. Now, is that particular point of view quite popular because romance and heartbreak and all that stuff is universal like as a theme? Yes, of course, right? But I think if you think about how she started out, she started out in her late teens talking about like being in high school and having a relation and being there, right? And what has she done? She has grown up with everyone and she's written about each decade. You look at Adele. Adele's a great version because she actually names her albums like the year she is when she produces it, like when she writes it, right? That is her creative expression. That is Taylor Swift's creative expression and her point of view. So many of you guys are starting a boutique being like, I want to make people feel beautiful. I want to make women feel beautiful. And like, okay, how? What's your point of view? Do you want to dress them in bright clothes? Do you want to make them comfortable? Um, like you're only going to sell white because you think everyone should just wear white because that's going to make them feel amazing, which for me, it totally does. White. I need to get back into dressing in white because it always made me feel good. What is your singular point of view? Stop trying to be something for everyone. And I've said this for, since day one, but I feel more strongly about it now than ever before because what's happening and I'm seeing it as a visually driven person I'm seeing it play out like on social media I'm seeing it show up where people that are just kind of sticking with the average sticking with the like basics sticking with grays and neutrals and like maybe a little pattern here maybe they're struggling they're they are having such a hard time selling the people who are like selling wild prints wild what I will say is they are coming from a very singular, strong point of view. They are the ones who I'm noticing. And they are the ones that seem to keep running more and more Facebook ads. <laughs> so they clearly have the money to do it. There's marketing in that budget, right? So I want you to think about, this is your homework from this episode. I want you to look at your assortment. And I would love for you to even go as deep as looking at it by department and saying to yourself, what do I have too much of? What do I not have enough of? Do I have pieces in this assortment that I would die for? Like, oh, they're so good. I want to sleep. I want to sleep in this outfit. Okay. I want to like wake up in the morning in this outfit. I love it so much. I want it to be the first thing that I realize happened in the, in the morning. Okay. If you don't feel like that about your clothes, you got to start thinking differently. You, you've got to start thinking, what is my point of view? What is my perspective? And I'm going to get feedback on this. And I know I am. And people fight with me on this weird topic where they're like, well, you have to give customers what they want. I would argue that customers don't know what they want. It's your job to tell them what they want. If you're sitting around waiting for customers to tell you what they want, you're in big trouble. And if you keep buying things that customers want, and again, t take me with a grain of salt, okay? I'm getting a little intense here, but it, I this is my, this is me. This is how I'm I'm a nerd, okay? I love retail and I want you to succeed. So badly I want you to succeed, so I want you to like take me A with a grain of salt cuz I'm getting intense, but also B take me very seriously <laughs> because you are going to win on your assortment. And if your assortment isn't a great mix, you aren't creating curiosity, guess what? You are not going to compel people to buy, okay? The problem is not your algorithm. It is not like the economy. It is not all this other stuff. 
if you don't love what you are selling and what you are selling is unique and exciting, whatever, why would I give you my hard-earned money? Why would I go into more debt on my credit card? Because I'll do those things for things I love because I'm American and I'm a good American who believes in capitalism. I'm joking about all that, but, but seriously, that's how it is, right? People will find the money. They just will. That it's just how it is. If you absolutely want or need something, you'll find the money. And so I think you've got to remember this. I want you to give people a reason to put down the card, a reason because they're like, I have to have that. I have to wake up in the morning with that on my body. I love it so much. So do a very thorough analysis of your entire assortment. Do I have too many departments? Am I selling to too many genders? Do I have too much kids versus, do I really sell my kids clothes? And if I have kids clothes, do I really sell the mom clothes? Do I really need them? Be honest with yourself. And if you don't know the answer, if you're like, oh, that's selling well, go look at the numbers. Because I guarantee you, I have so many people like, oh, it's doing well. I'm like, no, it's not. You think $900 a month is worth it when you're doing 30K? That's nothing. That's No, get rid of that department. You don't need it. Like, put aside $900. I mean, yeah, and it's $300 in wholesale that you should be spending on the department that is doing $20,000 of that $30,000, right? Let's all be real. We can't keep making decisions based on, well, like, it sells kind of well. It needs to sell really well. Like, most of you guys need to have like five departments that are really beautifully assorted in terms of the product mix, and you just sell the crap out of them. Most of you guys are way over assorted. And it's, help, it's not helping because you're not buying enough in the departments that you need. And all of this goes back to product assortment. That is why I will talk about product assortment until the day I die because I don't care about social media. I don't care about email. I do. I'm joking. I care about that stuff. I do. But no one is going to click on the email to buy the thing because it's ugly or it's basic or it's they saw it yesterday at a different boutique and it was cheaper. Like you don't want to be in that, in that situation. Okay, so step it up. Step up your product assortment game. Step up your styling game. Step up your photo game. You know, where can you just do 1% better, 2% better in the next three months? That's going to change the game for holiday. I'm going to tell you right now, that's going to change the game for holiday. And if you're having trouble figuring all this out, this is what I teach. If you like listening to this, if you want to talk about more retail theory and how it applies to what you're actually doing, that is what I do. I am not going to sit here and tell you to do more TikToks. I guarantee you. I'm going to sit here and say, let's look at your data. Let's look at your project assortment and make sure it's balanced. It's appropriately priced. It's, you know, buying and then you're buying it at the right levels. Oh my gosh. I'm like buzzing. I'm getting so excited talking about this stuff. What is wrong with me? Oh gosh, I need to eat lunch. So this is where we're at. Think about what energy you're putting towards what you're selling. Think about how you can create more of that curiosity and think about that singular point of view, that narrow perspective on who you're serving, what you're selling them and how in love with it you or they are. All right. Until next time, here's to making lots of friends and making lots of money.